Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. We say things that don't mean anything, but thanks for listening. Hello, everybody, and welcome to We Say Things, episode 24. My name is Sunsfan. Joining me, as always, is the great Cinder Man who just woke up from a dream 24. about Arteezy. Can you give us all the details, please? No, I really can't. I just remember Cinderin. my alarm went off. Hello? Yes? Okay. Why did you say my name again? Cinderin, please. You couldn't hear me. Cinderin, Stop. <laughs> Sorry, did you say uh, something, so, Yeah, okay. So my alarm, my alarm went off. And I woke up, and all I remember was I was streaming something with Arteezy, but I don't remember what it was. And it was something with Dota, so it wasn't, like, very exciting, actually, but whatever. And we did establish Uh, that you did not wake up with an erection, correct? Right. And Just checking. It's it's like an hour ago that my alarm went off, but I was very tired and very slow to wake up today. (laughs) Yeah, Uh, makes sense. So, yeah. So, I still look like death, even an hour later. What do you know? Um, Excellent. Yeah, episode 24, though. That means that we've done this for half a year. Right, that's that, twenty-four weeks. That's not half a year. And since we had like, it's pretty close because we had like one or two break weeks, right? Yeah. So, but why wouldn't like you four, wait until we're like, actually half a year to say this? Well, when did we do the first episode? Oh, you're saying from the actual date, not how many episodes equate to half a year? Yeah, I think we started. It must have been about half a year ago, right? Twenty-four weeks. That's four weeks a month, and then there's a little spillover. But we had a couple. If I had skips. to guess, yeah, I it think would it's be been like exactly half week. a year. I'm going to guess last week, but we'll see. You missed our anniversary. Thanks, Cinderin. I think so too, actually. Happy anniversary, everybody. (laughs) So this episode is actually sponsored by WGN, a.k.a. the World Gaming Network. Very cool sponsor because they, as you guys know, and we've talked about this actually on the podcast, I believe, a tournament called WESG which essentially yep. is like an Olympic-style competition in esports where everybody's playing for their country and whatnot. So they have the North American Final Open Qualifiers coming up, Cinderin. It's open to mm-hmm. all citizens and permanent residents of the U.S. and Canada. But the cool thing that they changed this time around is that you don't have to have five of the same. As long as you have three of that region, you can get the other two from anywhere you live. Cinderin, you can play in this, in theoretically. From anywhere, like yeah. actually anywhere. Yeah. Oh. I thought maybe they would still need to be from, you know, the at least the Americas or something. But no, everywhere is, everywhere goes. So three and right. a, the rest are free. Okay, indeed. Uh, cool. That opens up for some interesting team opportunities, actually, for some other players. Yeah, I was trying to think of some cool combination. I mean, there's definitely some good stuff that you can come up with. I'm sure we could theory craft all we want. It's a 230k prize pool, 61k uh, dedicated to Dota itself. Um, and there's and actually that's just two for the chances. North American division, yeah. I believe so, yes. And there's two chances yeah. to qualify through the open qualifiers for both the U.S. and Canada. So that's actually four qualifiers you guys can sign up for. Um, trying to remember that. The dates were October 12th is the first qualifier for the U.S. And Canada's is and on the Canada. same. And then the second qualifier is on the 19th of October for both. Um, 
So yeah, yeah. for the YouTube VOD, if you guys are interested in representing your country and want to take part in this competition, be sure to click the link in the YouTube description in order to register now. Have you ever taken part in WESG, Sindarin? I can't remember. Um, I feel like you, I, like, didn't you have a Danish team at some point? I don't think I've played in WESG's qualifiers before, but I, I know that for a fact the last couple of years, um, there have been Danish representatives that got pretty far. I think we mm -hmm. had a second place with, what were they called? They lost to TNC in the finals, I think, two years ago? Oh, I remember that, actually. Yeah. The, um, Who was on that team? It wasn't like No-Till uh, or anything, right? No, it was Ace and mm. Baby Knight, maybe, and some people. I don't remember exactly anymore. Why uh, are there so many good yeah. Danish Dan players? Yeah. That's um, weird. I, I, I don't know. Esports... We have good players in many games, both in Denmark and Sweden. Uh, I don't know why it's that way and why Norway doesn't have very many comparatively. It's kind of interesting, actually. But yeah, Denmark's doing pretty well, generally. Yes, but anyway, indeed. the big takeaway from this is if you guys want to play the qualifiers, make sure you sign up for USA. Qualifier number two is October 19th at 12 p.m. Eastern. And Canada is 12.30 p.m. Eastern on the same day. So make sure you check that out if you want to play. And... Try to represent your country, at least three of you. The yeah. other two will be representing another country, but they will be playing <laughs> with that country. <laughs> yes, that is correct. Uh, okay, let's let's go over cool. a couple of our reviews before we get started, Cinderman. Um, yep. I don't know which order you want to do this. And I actually literally have not read these yet, actually. I should have done that beforehand. Hopefully there's nothing okay. bad. Uh, I can we'll do see. the first one from the bottom. Sure. <laughs> yeah, great. Cinderin, please, by Lift Dog says five stars just watch in bruges please make sure you watch the whole episode there might be a surprise for you at the end oh boy here we go <laughs> second one <laughs> pommes pita which is one of my twitch subs so let's see how super uh, biased this one is from best germany episode yeah. best episode yet that's from a week ago so that was the slacks one i've listened to all the episodes so far but the one with slacks was honestly outstanding the honesty with which he answers very the very well thought out questions makes for a really compelling experience it allowed me to relate incredibly well and gives insight into how esports works especially for a humble maniac like slacks very good interview guys yeah slacks is a humble maniac and his answers might be might seem honest and our questions might seem very well thought out but it's probably just chance <laughs> all right you do the last one well said sir uh, the last one is from kananza1234 from japan great dota 2 podcast i listened to this podcast since the release of episode one and finally i installed itunes to give you five stars thank you friend thank you have so we much have actually not got a five star review yet why would you put that in out in the open Cinder. all right somebody give us a four-star review next week oh my god we're not gonna so we no. have one. Um, why would you do this oh, okay we're only taking five star <laughs> yes that's what you're supposed of course if somebody hates the podcast they should give us a lower rating no isn't there okay isn't there this thing with uber for example in the u.s that you want to take drivers that are 4.9 stars and not five because the five ones might be forged and fake and 4.9 is more believable how, how do you fake an uber rating by the you way, small rant. My fucking rating is like 4.7 stars because when I own DC, the players apparently fuck people up in these Ubers. I don't know what the fuck they're doing. Why they give me like <laughs> low star reviews? I'm always a great person to have in your Uber. I'm very quiet. If you want to talk to me, I'll talk to you. Otherwise, I'll just sit there silently. Fuck the Maybe. players for giving me a low rating. God damn. 
well, anyway. Wouldn't you technically, with Ubers, wouldn't you technically just be able to tell all your friends to rate you five stars when you sign up as a driver? Yeah, but you, no, you have to be in the Uber, though. Yeah, you just set up a ride with your friends, you drive for two minutes, and they give saying, you five stars. <laughs> you're going to uprank I mean, your MMR and Uber by picking up you your can, friends constantly. You, you can boost people in Uber. I'm pretty sure you can boost them. I'm just saying. I'm just saying the Ubers that I have driven with when I've been in the U.S. It was always 4.9. There was never a five star, not a single time. Really? Huh. Yes. I'm always never, impressed ever. when there's have like a five star and it's like three thousand reviews. I'm like, wow. Have you had a flat out five? Yeah. Okay. Then maybe plenty, BTS actually. were just fucking me. It's fine. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I should. I should uh, probably explain a little bit because maybe some people are a little confused. There's two ratings in Uber. One is for the driver and one is for the passenger. So the driver rates the passengers now. And they can't apparently can't tell what each other rate each other or whatever. And I okay. am at 4.7. I'm very upset about that. I'm a good mm. passenger. I never do anything wrong. Did, did you maybe maybe they deducted from you because you have you just farted all over? I smell... I Okay, here's the thing. I know there's a reputation that I have, Sindarin. I don't yeah. carry that out in public. This is in the privacy of my own home. Whatever happens in my house, as disgusting as it may be, does not leave this premises, okay? I am right. very conscious of my Uber hygiene drove you home, the house. Yes. But if the Uber drove you home, technically, as soon as you are on your address, you're home. So then you just let it go. I don't think I've ever taken an Uber home before, so no. Oh, okay. Well, nice try, Sindarin. Appreciate the great banter as uh, always. You probably did your Indian accent as a joke, <laughs> and this is the only person in the world who didn't think it was funny. I don't even talk to the Uber drivers, okay? Unless they talk to me. In fact, I hate it when they talk to me. I just want to shut up, look out the window or at my phone in silence. I could totally Maybe that's see why you I didn't having get an Indian Uber driver talk to you, and you're like, it's <laughs> <laughs> funny Indian accent. All right, I, and again, you're going to make me go off on a lot of rants this episode, apparently, but... The only people that have ever been offended by my Indian accent are Americans. Just saying. Yeah, I know. You've told me this before. I know. I'm telling the world now. Yeah. When I lived in Saudi Arabia, this is why I, can, I can't really do that great of an accent anymore, but the reason I can do a decent one is because all my friends were like Pakistani and Indian in Saudi Arabia. So oh, you didn't tell me that, I think. Yeah. So that's why I can do like a British accent. I lived in Cyprus and I had a British accent. We've talked about that before. Just mm -hmm. because being exposed to you know, outside the U.S. Uh, right. And all that good stuff. So anyway, let's actually start with the episode. What do you think? You want to do that? Okay. You want to keep talking about Uber? Mm, I don't know. We could use another sponsor slot. So <laughs> Uber, there you go. Yes, thank Get you. Ready. All right. <laughs> so news came out this week that Casey has joined Valve full time. I don't know if we have any details on this, uh, but it's how many years uh, has it been since she's doing TI? It's like seven Seven she did TI three, okay. I think as the first one, or was it TI two? TI she definitely two, started. Probably not. She definitely started in Benaroya. I think it was TI three. Oh yeah, she right. she actually tweeted that out six years ago. I worked my first esport event TI three. Okay. Um, yeah. So basically, her announcement. Let me find it. Uh, after seven years of working events for one of my favorite companies, this month I officially joined Valve full-time. Full Maybe that favorite company will work out next time. Just kidding. That's, uh, it's this one. Lots of exciting projects I can now jump in with both feet on, including TI-10. 
So mm. maybe Casey is going to be a host for more Valve events. Uh, maybe she's under artifact. <laughs> no, I was thinking in Dota that maybe she's doing stuff. But yeah, maybe artifact. You never know. They're preparing <clears throat> it for sure. Um, yeah, what could it be? Like, what events could she be working on? Now, is, I was trying to think of this as well. Is she getting into CS:GO? Um, will Valve use her there at the majors? You can you can speculate, but it clearly sounds from the wording like she's going to do more than just TI while working for Valve, and not only plan TI because it was unless, including that. So unless they're going to start working on TI earlier or something like that, but this seems right. Really but, her, early. but her wording did say right. It said work on lots of exciting projects. I can ju- now jump in with both feet on, including TI ten. Right. right. So it sounds okay. like there's more than just TI. But yeah, don't so know artifact. what it is, but I can't maybe wait. she's going to do something with other Valve games. Maybe she's going to do some more within Dota. Uh, but yeah, most people that have watched TI any year should know who Casey is. She's the, obviously, she is one of the stage hosts. And the other one is Slacks. So she the looks great. <laughs> um, she looks great. <laughs> Yeah, I think, uh, I mean, this could be interesting timing with Underlords. We haven't talked about that in a while, which we won't because nothing's happened true. in that world. But there true, is a true. huge, huge, huge patch coming. I don't know when. I can't remember. It might be in the next week or two. Within this month, I think it was their target date where they're going to, I mean, they have to go all out. They're going to put in their monetization model, whatever it is. They're going to put in the Underlords themselves. Uh, and I would hope that they somehow cater to pro players and streamers in some fashion or tournaments or all of the above in order to actually you know help the game grow because it's very stagnant right now in fact it's just declining again so mm-hmm. something needs to be done this could be related if they're doing like an event for underlords that i remember cool. when underlords came out in the start there were quite a lot of the big dota streamers streaming it a decent amount i have not seen a dota streamer stream underlords in months now so hopefully they can find some sort of way to re-spark that interest. Because players like Bulldog and Gorg and myself, for example, we enjoyed the game and we were playing it a good amount. I haven't played it for a while now, but I could easily get into it if there's something that, you know, re-sparks my interest. So a big patch or, you know, just have a look. Yep, I agree. We're hoping <laughs> so for the best on that one. Yep. Cool. All right. So a matchmaking update mm-hmm. came out this last week right and it was a pretty big post uh you want to go over each how do you want to do this actually we can do it like last time i'll talk about each bullet point basically and then i'll talk about my experience with it and how i think it works for other people um but that's just speculation kind of i i don't know exactly how it works for everyone else i haven't talked too much but so the first one is high mmr partying um the wording on this isn't like very how to say the title itself is not really explanation enough. So I'll just, I'll say the titles and then I'll break it down. Let's do it that way. So the bullet points are high MMR partying, matchup combinations, match quality and role symmetry, metal rework, high watermark and post game match evaluation and post game survey and communication with low behavior score and party spread (laughs) and core matchmaking code and reports and player bands and going forward. Okay. (laughs) <laughs> All right, so 30 minutes later, we'll be done with this topic, right. is what you're saying. Yeah, I'll, I'll try to break down the, the essential things that have happened, right? So they're still working on the role symmetry part. They talked about that, which is if there's a high MMR core in one team, they try to make the same role in the other team also represented by a player of same skill because uh, if you have a rank 50, for example, core in one team and a rank 50 support in the other team, 
it's not a 50-50 game in terms of win just yeah. because the MMRs are the same. Because some roles inherently have a higher ability to carry the game. It doesn't mean the support never wins, but it doesn't win 50% of the time. So they try to make this parody and the symmetry, as they call it. Um, the medal rework, they changed the highest amount of stars you can have on a medal now is five, not seven. Uh, they tried it out. They didn't really think it added much. I think part of the reason they did it was maybe to help with um, <clears throat> with separating people within their middle because they felt like there was maybe a big difference between, I don't know, 4.5 and 4.7 or whatever. Uh, but they decided it it wasn't really necessary. Um, the high watermark is something they tested in order to combat ladder anxiety. Hang on, let me just get some water. Delicious mm. H2O. Just drink that down, Cinderella. Mm. Yeah, that's mm. uh, this cold's coming back, I think. Um, so the high watermark was basically that if you reached a certain rank, you would have that the rest of the season, even if you dropped MMR. So if you did make that divine, even if you lost a thousand MMR, you would still be divine. They've changed that now because their data supposedly suggests them that it is enough that there is a how to say a grace period. So if you reach divine, you can drop one star without losing your rank, but the moment you drop the corresponding amount to two stars, you will lose it. Right. So there is still that letter anxiety like safety where you don't immediately lose what you got, but perhaps it's a way of trying to combat boosting, right? Where you have people get people to divine and then they're like, hey, I'm divine, and then they get their account back and play way worse, but then they're still divine, right? So See, that this, is not there anymore. I'm not saying this is a bad thing. Because I, mm-hmm. what's the closest comparison I can make? Uh, basically, if you're a regular Dota player, this is worse, right? Because you're going to have ladder anxiety. This is essentially mm-hmm. to, like you said, combat the the boosting that's going on. But isn't don't you think there's a better solution to getting rid of the boosting? Like there has to be better solutions um, than this. They're doing other things too in this patch that I'll also mention. So something more that they have done is the whole party system, which. I think the intent, I want to quickly say before I like explain what I think is good and what is bad, I think Valve are trying to do the right things. I think all of their, like the end goal and what their ambitions are, are really good. Like what they're trying to do. Uh, But they need the data on it and they need to test it to see how it works. And I can tell you the current solution does not work in high MMR. 100% does not work. Uh, So what they've done that causes the problem in high MMR is that in order to try to combat boosting again, they have made it so that if any player in the party is immortal, everybody's MMR in the party is set to that of the highest immortal player in the party. So to explain, let's say you have a 7k MMR player that's queuing with a 5.5, because they also reduced the span. I think it was 2,800 MMR you could be a part in the party, and now it's 2k again, which it used to be a while back, I think so. Um if your MMRs are more than 2,000 apart, you can't queue together. That's the first thing. But let's say some guy who's 7K queues with a 5.5K, a 5.6K, a 5.5K, and a 5.4K player. They can all make a party together. But when they queue, the system considers that party to have five 7K MMR players right. so that he can't boost them. And that means when the algorithm finds a match, it tries to match it against another party that is 7K MMR. And then when the game is over, it looks at, okay, what other MMRs act actually? And then it calculates the points right so you could imagine you could have two 7k stacks queue into each other but one of them actually has five 7k players and the other one has one 7k player and four 5.5 case in that case the 5k the team with all the 5.5s 
don't lose 25 MMR. They lose 15. Um, because I mean, it, in it's the literally, end, they were massively outmatched. It's literally anti-boosting. 100%. Yes. Now, the problem with the system, it might sound pretty good for what it does, but what it ends up doing at the very high end of the bracket is that if you're a super high MMR player and you want to play with friends, how will the algorithm ever match a game with, let's say, a, a 9K player? Let's say Matumba Man, right? He's like 8.9 right now. If he parties up with four friends, no matter what MMR they are, they could even be 7.9, right? Mm. Or, sorry, 6.9. If he parties up with four friends, that party, the algorithm needs to find a match against a five stack that has 9k MMR. Mm -hmm. The only way that happens is if some other dude who is 9k makes a five-man party and queues at the same time. And well, the it, number of players that have this MMR is extremely low. It's ironic that you can't do that anymore when, if you remember, the very first change they made to the MMR, the entire purpose... Was so that people party. would play in parties together, including yes. the high MMR. <clears throat> so basically so, what it boils down to now, right? That's the extreme case. That's the five-man case. But let's yeah. say you party. It's pretty simple to understand, right? Whoever the highest MMR player is in the party, for every player he adds to the party, there are just more people that are that MMR. So if you're two players in that party, they're both 8.9K. If there's three people, they're 8.9K. So basically you need to find this balance where there's two stacks queuing there's three stacks queuing and then you try to balance it out so that it can generate games between these two and three parties because if everybody queues as three parties the games will be hard to match right because now you have all of these parties there can be two three parties on each side but who are the last two players it fills out with in 8.9k games mm -hmm. how do you find these players so you have to hope that there are two-man parties and three-man parties queuing at the same time because the five-man parties will not be queuing because they can't find games. The number of people that they can match with is so exceptionally low that you can be queued as a five-man party for an hour and not find the game. Right. Um, and if you queue as two or three, you can be queued for anywhere between five minutes to 30 if you're unlucky, and it just comes down to if people match. So it's definitely not ideal, and it has to be changed for high MMR. But I think the system in the middle range probably works pretty well and what I've seen on Reddit recently is that a lot of there's been a lot of positive feedback where people are like, the matchmaking recently has been so much better. Hmm. Um, the match quality is better. There are less problems in general. So I think there's definitely a lot to learn from this current iteration. And then maybe you need to make some sort of hard exceptions in the higher ranks. Somehow I mean, I think that's what technically what this. they're trying to do, right? I think, and <clears throat> right. you kind of touched on this earlier, the fact <clears throat> that they're being so transparent, like from my side, like I've been a Valve fanboy for so long they have never been communicative in almost any game. And yeah. the fact that they're doing it now, it like it makes me they really happy. Even if they're fucking it up right now. This is part of they've already said this is an experiment, right? So and this right. is not something you can do with a small sample size. Not just game wise, but you know, duration. Yeah. So I would assume within the next few months they'll iron enough out to be able to come out with something that is, you know. That works for every level of play at this stage. And you could, for example, you could think of this, the anti-boosting measure, right? Where you have only the immortal guy. What if it just makes an exception where if everybody in the party is immortal, then it doesn't do it? That could be, you know, it's yeah, a rubber band solution or sorry, uh, a band-aid solution, but it's, it's something, right? Because then immortal players can queue together and not all be set to the MMR of the highest guy. Mm -hmm. And then you could still boost within immortal, I suppose, but that's a much smaller fragment than... The primary, the primary boosting issue lies in, you know, the middle of the pack, like 2 to 5K is where people are buying yeah. boosted accounts or helping each other too much, you know? Yeah, when's the last so, time you could buy a 7 or 8K account? Is that even a thing? It's, 
that's the other thing, right? It's so much effort. Yeah, it is. If if you do want to boost an account to 7K, it takes really fucking long. And mm-hmm. you're going to eventually, along the way, you're going to run into a lot more losses because the game's get incrementally harder, right? So I don't even know if that would be very feasible. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. It, it could be a potential solution. Or maybe if, if not all with Immortals, you could say if everybody within the party is above 7K, you know, you just make like this... Just so the pros don't get messed up on their games, right? Or the very high ranks or whatever it could be. I don't know. There's some, they'll, they'll figure something out, I'm sure. Yep. And they, they also changed the, uh, the combinations that can actually queue together, right? They, they've kind of flip-flopped on this a few times. The, the three and the two versus the five yeah. versus the solos. Yep. That was the big one, right? A party of five queuing against five solos. That felt real bad. Being on the solo As far side. as I'm aware right now, five men can only meet five men, I think, again. Yeah, I think so. And and three and two can meet anything. Three yeah. can meet three plus one plus one. They can meet three plus two. And they can even meet five solos, maybe. I actually don't know if they can. Maybe they can. Uh, in my experience lately, whenever I've been party queuing with two or three, I think I've always faced a party on the other side. So maybe that's wrong. I don't remember. I didn't read all of this in complete detail, so I might have missed something. But that's like that's the gist of it, at least, with what they're mm-hmm. trying to do. And then we'll just see how how things get better. Over right. time. Anything else but, in this? Uh... No, I think that's good for that. Now, I did have one question about the first topic, where the the role MMRs, you know, the cores mm. have the highest versus the supports having the lowest. Would right. you agree with that general assessment, like not from the high level standpoint, let's say, but from a, the average player, is it more important for your core as in your position one? Is it actually just linear like that, five, one through five in terms of mm. who should have the highest MMR, you think? It's more important that it's the same in both teams, I would say. That's why parity is good. Because if one team has a super high support and the other one does as well, it's fine. The highest ranks players in the, te- in the teams can be supports. That It doesn't mm. make a bad game. It makes okay. it problematic when there's a disparity. But I guess what you're fishing for is if there's like a role in pubs that is inherently more game impactful. And I would say the highest impact role is solo mid, if you have to pick one. Mm-hmm. If you make um, if you make a game where every player is, say, 5k and there's one 7k in each team, putting the 7k guy mid, he gets more levels, he has access to runes so he can make plays, and he gets... Arguably the most farm, if not the second most farm in the game. He will probably get the most because he's 7k, so he's better, right? Right. Um, that role can take over the game. Playing carry as 7k where there's a 7k mid can be tricky because the mid guy will have more levels, right? So he can make moves on you, and you are reliant on the support player in your lane to play correctly or at least play properly. And there's you know a discrepancy and a different idea of how you two should be playing the game because one guy is clearly better than the other. And when you're mid, you don't have to bother with that. You're not reliant in the same way on the help of your team. You can really make your own, you know, make your own game, basically. Um, so I would say that's the number one. Um, but yeah, again, parity is the most important thing. I, I wouldn't have a problem playing support and being the highest MMR in the game if it's the same for the other team. As long as, again, within reason, right? I don't think in any matchmaking game that there should be maybe more than say, a 1,000 MMR between the players, but I am aware that in our player pool, it's super hard to make those games, right? Yeah, well, that's uh, where ideally, the exceptions come into play, right, for yeah. whatever threshold. I mean, we're not... I don't, I don't think... You know, pro players will complain and be like, oh, the system isn't good, blah, 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 but they... I mean, we also have, you know, a little bit of sense of reason that we know 
we're the few and there is a system here that is trying to work for everybody but mm. we have to make our voices heard so that we can play the game at a good level it's very much in the game's interest that the pro players are happy because that's what generates good streams so it generates content that people want to watch and the pro players are what people are fans of right so if the people that you're fans of are constantly complaining the game is bad then it's not a good look right so you definitely want to make that make it work all right well yeah. moving on uh yep. i didn't even know their name was quincy crew <clears throat> yep. but quincy crew which is the team that sumail <clears throat> yawar uh ccnc on team? mss uh, svg CC- right svg that's what i can remember um sumail has left the roster now so yep. there's been a lot of question marks as to why this is uh and i don't think anything was technically confirmed i think jack posted something on reddit kind of indicating or implying that it was more of a uh what actually what did he say more of a contract issue i believe was that what he said i don't remember the exact wording i can try to find it i I think the first thing that people thought was that he just didn't fit on the team and i'm like there's no fucking way that's true first of all you would never leave a team that early especially when your brother's on it even though he's playing position three which is not you know the norm for sumail although he's done it before he can definitely do that. I think he can definitely fit in. So I think this has more to do with I couldn't can't be really visa related just because I think it's more contract trying to get a buyout is my guess because he's probably very 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 expensive and I think he's still technically on EG's roster. Or sorry, I suppose he might still be. Yeah, I I don't know exactly. I don't know the specifics of this. Um, but you know whatever reason they gave and whatever's going on, we can only you know guess. But the fact of the matter is he's leaving. That's the 100% confirmed thing. We don't know if he has another team yet or if it's a contract problem where he's just, you know, waiting out to see how that gets resolved. And the thing we talked about when this team was announced was the role composition. Like, how's it going to work with Yawar and offlane? And now they don't have to worry about that because now he's back to carry. Um, he's going to play his best role and they're getting an offlaner. And they're currently trying out uh, Saberlight, who is a, uh, I think he's a Czech player. So somebody from Europe who has been making a name for himself recently as a strong offlaner in the region. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they're taking him to the minor that Sumail helped them qualify for, by the way. He did play the qualifiers for the BTS minor. Um, and yeah, he's going to be standing in there. He's a tryout was their official wording. And when you're a tryout, there is the potential of joining. So mm-hmm. uh, if he's a good fit, he might be the stable offlaner of that team based on how things go at the tournament. So chat so, is reminding yeah. us that Jack specifically said in the Reddit post something to the effect of it's not only a contract issue, but a fit issue as well. And I, yeah. I have a hard time believing that. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I, I, how could there be a fit issue that quickly? You know, mm. It's been two weeks. How long has it been? It's like no time at all. Oh, it could be a fit issue in terms of roles. That's also a fit, right? Like not the personality or whatever. Yeah, but or here, the, here's the thing, brother. Tell me yeah. if you think I'm wrong here. Mm-hmm. CC and C plays mid, correct? Is he playing yeah. mid for their roster right now? Yeah. Because Yuar is the one. Mm-hmm. If there's no contract issues, nothing against CC and C. Don't, isn't it a no-brainer you put Sumail mid? If worst comes to worst, if fit does not feel right, him as the offlaner, isn't it just like there's no um, question you put him mid and you don't care about anything else? It depends a bit what, how the team is made up, right? Because, I mean, first of all, the team is named after their mid. <laughs> so maybe it's 
I mean, that's true, maybe, but still. Maybe it's, okay, so maybe it's a team that MSS, CCNC, and SVG agreed to build together. Okay. And if that's how it works, then you don't generally kick one of the cornerstones, right, to make space for whatever. I uh, okay. They, here, maybe they pitched to the Yawar and Samail, hey, guys, do you want to try it out with Yawar offlane? And they were like, uh, we have, sure, we, we're down Sumail to try this. Play. Let's see how it goes. Uh, no, Yawar played offlane. Samail oh, played carry. Started. Oh, okay. So then they're like, yeah, we're down to try this. You know, uh, NA doesn't have very many good teams. There's not many good offers. Uh, you have a roster with very talented and proven players. You, you might buy into that idea and give it a shot, right? And then after two weeks, you're just like, okay, this dynamic with me offlane, I can already see it now. I mean, again, we don't know, right? So I'm just talking. But you could see that situation being a possibility, right? Um, as for if they're all like on... If this was a whole thing where they just sat down all together and agreed, let's play together, and it's not anybody's team or nobody really made it to begin with, uh, I, I mean, I, I think your perspective is totally legit, right? Like, you could have put some male mid and Yawar carry and got another offlaner, and CCNC had to find something else, but... It brings up a very interesting a conversation, because you yeah. have this problem currently, I believe, and I had this problem back in the day, I'm not going to say it, back when I was playing competitively, Okay. <laughs> Where I hey, slacks, are you listening? <laughs> I had a real problem just ditching people to play with like the actual legit people. Like I had plenty of opportunities to play with people that were on my level, let's say, at that time. But I just really wanted to make the friend team work, right? Mm -hmm. The thing is, I was just too nice of a guy, essentially. The thing is, like, I feel like it's more cutthroat in Dota just because there's just so much more money in the scene now. Mm -hmm. That this is less commonplace, actually, what's happening right here. If, if our, of course, like we, like you said, we have no idea what's actually happening. I'm just, you know, bullshitting here. But mm -hmm. I think on paper, let's say I own the team, okay, and I'm in yeah. control of the roster, which isn't really a thing in Dota. I know Sumail is mid. It doesn't matter what the other positions are. That is the most important aspect of the team. So it could be what you're saying, where these three guys got together, whoever it was, putting the roster together. It's interesting that the other two don't just like, you know, step over the line, if you will, to make sure that it, this is the best for the team. But so there's got to be something we don't know, which I'm pretty sure there's plenty. There is also the potential that Samil wanted to play carry and they build around that. Because if you remember in the past, he did try offlane as well. He transitioned mm -hmm. to offlane for EG. They tried it for like two months and they were like, okay, this isn't working. Samil mm -hmm. back on mid, right? So maybe it's, I think it's a common thing in Dota for a lot of players that you play this game so much and it's so intensive and the, the season is very exhausting for the teams that are really good, that are going to like all the big DPC events and doing all the practice for it. Mm. Um, it can be really reinvigorating to get a different perspective and you, you, you know, you're like a super established player. You think you're super good at carrying games. You're like, you maybe you want to try something else. You just want to do it for the... It might sound stupid because you're like, we're talking about one of the best mid players in the world, but clearly he has had this motivation before to play a different role. So yes. maybe it's that again. He's like, I, I would love to try to play carry for a bit. Uh, and then people are like, hell yeah, man. It's Samael. We'll play with Samael. <laughs> we right. think he can carry. That's a good point. Um, yeah. It, you know, it, it could be both ways. It's, there's no saying that he was the one who budged. It could be the others that gave into what he wanted. And now mm -hmm. he's like, okay, you know what? I'm going to play mid. And then they have to I feel like. So here, here's another interesting topic. So great players moving from position to position. The two and the one aren't that different 
to the point where I feel like Sumail could make either work technically. I mean, I don't know mm -hmm. enough about it. Maybe you can educate me. I feel like him going to three, like he did back in EG, I, that was weird. That was really weird. Not that he couldn't be good at it. It's just you're literally, yeah. at that time at least, the best mid in the entire world. What's the point? It's like yeah. it's like Michael Jordan. It's not exactly the same, but let's say Michael Jordan retires and goes play baseball for a couple of years because he didn't actually make it to the major leagues, I don't believe. But he, he was still like athletic enough to be good at other sports. Obviously, this is the same right. sport, so it's not the greatest comparison. But still, why not just stay where you are obviously the best? I like think you just get bored or something. I think the reason EG did it was the patch at the time had basically the offlaner be the... Yeah. The ba the offlaner was the playmaker and the way Samel loved to play was to get levels and then do stuff around the map. He was playing heroes, you know, like Puck was one of his stables and it was just not a very scaling hero. So I think what they were trying to do was put him in a playmaker position so that he can do stuff. Now, the problem is, I think at least for his player personality, the way he plays the game, I think Samel is exceptionally good at playmaking with farm. And the offlane in that patch, even though it was a playmaker... You didn't get the same amount of space on the map as the mid and the carry because they were both farming a lot in that patch. So you tried this new recipe where you put him on offlane and Sumail, even if he was playing well mechanically on his hero, he just didn't have the same tools. Like He didn't have the same amount of gold, the same amount of levels that he usually did. So his playmaking will be off. You, know, you need a lot of time to adjust to losing all that power in the game and being relatively weaker. And they probably realized with that experiment that, okay, we need a more... Like we need a, a player that doesn't thrive as much on farm as Samael does, probably, uh, and mm -hmm. that's why they did it. As far as the carry role goes, yeah, they get more gold uh, compared to the offlane in most cases, um, but there's still a pretty significant difference to the carry uh, between the carry and the mid role. Again, the tempo of the game with the levels, with the runes. Samael is really good at playing around runes, for example, and that is gone when you're carry. You don't get runes for the first twenty minutes, like mm -hmm. barely, at least. Um, and it's way more slow-paced for most carries. They need time. They are not the ones initiating and dominating the map. They're the ones reaping the benefits of the teammates making the majority of the moves. They're still joining. Carries are doing stuff way more nowadays than they did two years ago. But uh, there is a clear difference between those three roles. I think the core roles are very different, all three of them. Even if they get good farm and levels, the role they play in the game and the dynamic in the team is, is very different. And to me, Samael is a mid player. Like, still, I just think, I think he's exceptionally good, and he can play all three well, roles. But I think his mid's just better. This that's, this new patch that's going to come, it's going to shake things up. Who knows what each role is even yeah, going to look knows? like, right? Because there's it's always true. been these drastic changes. Uh, yeah. There's been a lot of rumors. Obviously, this is just what people want to join the old Team Liquid, which I think they're unnamed still. Whatever their new org is going to be, yeah. Because Anna, or not? Uh, sorry, yeah, Team Liquid, but also I think OG because of Anna, not. You know, right. He's just taking a long break and he plays a position one. If Sumail wants to play that, that's probably a freebie yeah. for him. That would be Possibly. kind of like Kevin Durant going to the Warriors, though, which you don't understand that reference. <laughs> so not sure if he wants to go down that Sounds road. Sounds like a bad thing based on your intonation. It's like Arteezy going to EG after they won TI and then not winning TI and then your reputation takes a hit, even though it's maybe unjustified in that case. Right. Gotcha. So I personally, I even though I love OG, I would not want him to go to OG. I think OG will only change a player if one of them is absolutely just flat out either stopping with competitive Dota or taking a break that's longer than half a year. And the way it sounded was that this year, compared to last year, where OG were still trying to play major and minor qualifiers, this time they just decided we're taking a break until Christmas. Like, we take an off-season, you know? 
yeah. um, for ourselves. And if that's what they're doing, that might be way more appealing for Anna. And he probably realizes what position he's in, you know? Like, he is exceptionally valuable, and he doesn't even need to play a lot as it is right now. Um, and you saw with OG last season, they tried a different player in the dynamic. It just was not the same. Um, and it's... It's funny because I think it's one of the perfect examples of how much team matters in Dota compared to individual skill. I think it's a very great example of it because you can take one piece out of that five-piece machine and it just breaks. Like, Just being honest, the team with any of the other players they tried, it was not even close to the same level uh, in terms of getting results, the flow of the game, how confident they seemed at playing around each other. Um, and that's why it's really difficult to build a good team because you, you can take some good players and put them together, but do you get that X factor that Ana is? Because mm-hmm. I don't think Ana individually, for example, is an absolute god that just dwarfs every other carry. I don't think so. I think he's really fucking good. But what makes OG so good is the way they play together, and that is very difficult to replicate with any other player. Um, yep, I agree. So that's something special, and that's where... Unless Ana specifically says, I don't want to play, I th- really think these guys will go the distance to not change people at all again. If it means, if Ana's like, guys, I need a longer break. I don't want to play after New Year. I want to play in March. Honestly, they might skip <laughs> another set. Like, That's I mean, what I happened last time, basically. Right? Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if they did that. Um, <laughs> it's not like any of them needs money right now. They can yeah, take a break. They don't need to that's... play. And what about, uh, set. what about Sumail's fit on Liquid? This would obviously be taking mm, over Weeha. Yeah. Which is Team Middle East, basically, now. Right. Minus mind control. Yeah, well, Sumail's Pakistani, right? So, uh, In my history, they don't like... It's not considered the Middle East, technically. Oh, I see. Sorry. I'm it's, I think it's bordering. Unedu- uneducated here. I, I mean, know. it's, it's in, Asia. It's all Asia at the end of the day. Right. So. That's true. Yeah, okay. Um, well, anyway, um, I think as far as that team goes, I think he could be a really good fit. Um, I think they have the type of, of players that Samel could play well around. Uh, I personally, for example, keep mind control is in very high regard. I think he's exceptionally good. And I think he doesn't get enough credit from the community. Everybody's, you know, is, you know like talking about Miracle and she's a big star. But for me, mind control is just an exceptional player. And uh, he's the kind of player that you can play Samel around because I think mind control does something as an offlaner that very few players are really good at, which is he can play the range of shit game to godlike game, and he can find his balance in that game. Because it does happen at the highest level. Sometimes one of your players get targeted in the draft or in the laning setup or whatever. Mind Control can play the games where he has a really bad game, and he can win mm. the games where he has a really good game. And that's... It might sound easy. You're like, hey, I'm having a great game. I'm going to own. But... He is very good at identifying where he is in the game and what he can contribute. And the reason this is important is that if you put a player like Samael on mid, you need to be willing to let him take over the game if he can. And he is the guy who, you know, if Samael has a good game and Mind Control doesn't, that will not be a problem, I think. Um, and I, think I think the, the most important of... factor for Mind Control is that he's just a super cuddly guy. Must be real. Yeah, he's a big he's teddy bear. Too. Yeah, he's cuddly too. And that's something Samael... If you've watched some of the EG clips, Samael loves piggyback rides, so... <laughs> I think mind control will be a great person for that. Uh, yeah, I like that. Yeah. But That's yeah, very just thinking about the dynamic of the team, I see it. I see it being a possibility. But I also think they did very well with Weha. So who knows? Like if they want even even want to change uh, right. at all, 
Um, yeah, they, they look very would, together. I would definitely be excited for that change as well. Yeah. <clears throat> Either way, I think yeah, Sumail can just wait it out, even if he wants. <clears throat> like he's he's got a yeah. lot of money as well. Like he doesn't. There's no rush sure. for him. Like we said, the he's big fine. patch coming out could change the way he plays the game in general. So, mm-hmm. uh, and a lot of people are yep. taking breaks anyway. So there's. Tons of opportunities going to be available to me either way. So, moving on. Envy got banned for six months. (laughs) (laughs) Excellent transition. (laughs) I saw this. I could not stop laughing. Uh, He's so. Here's the thing. Uh, I didn't save the the actual heroes he played. So he was playing a pub. He wins the game, and he looks and he says, "Oh, I just got six month banned." So apparently, people have been reporting him ad nauseum. Yeah, I mean, it's probably pretty fun to report Envy, let's be real. I mean, there's <laughs> there's no secret about that. But uh, the issue is they report him for not playing the correct heroes on whatever role he specifies. Because I believe he, right. he queues as all five roles in order to get a faster game, or at least this is what he used to do. Mm-hmm. And then he's just picking like these random ass heroes. Doesn't matter what role they really are. But he's winning the games. And he's buying, like if he's to support and he plays Huskar or whatever the fuck it is, He's still buying the wards and they still win, but he still gets reported right. because it's at the beginning of the game when you report. What do you think about this? Yeah, Very I, We talked about that in the previous episode. I don't think you should be able to report anyone until the game's over. I agree. Um, for, for a couple of reasons. First of all, because people jump the gun. In Dota, people are very emotional and very quick to react. Like It's the classic thing with somebody makes one mistake and they're like, you're the fucking worst player ever. And then you let the game play out and, oh, the guy just made a mistake and he's actually pretty good. You know? Um... And the same thing can be said for picks. Like, oh man, this hero is not meta. You don't know how to play the game. And then like, oh wow, I didn't actually know that you can play 90 heroes well in Dota. And it's not just a game of 30 heroes right now. Mm-hmm. Um, that's one thing. The other thing is the whole redemption factor, right? Like just being able to showcase throughout the game that you have an idea and then you can show that it works. And finally, Dota is not a game. It's not a game of like black and white where heroes are set in categories. I mean, you. there are some that are a stretch, right? If somebody picks flat out position five Slark, I think it can work, but it's a stretch, uh, but it can work. Um, so I wouldn't say you should. You can just pick any hero on any role and just say, well, I am this role and all is fine, you know? Uh, but right. for a major so part of the hero I, roster, you can do that. We're getting information via the great chat here that apparently, number one, it was on his Smurf, which I also want to talk about that. Number two, mm-hmm. he was stealing other people's roles. Yeah, that's so, a different story. Entirely. So he deserves to get banned, um, basically. <laughs> right. So okay. So here's the if thing: that's if you queue a support, if you queue a support <laughs> and you get into the game and you just mark mid and you pick a mid hero, yeah, that's of course. that's the thing. But again, you could you can report you later. Could report him for that after the yeah. game, right? The yeah. problem here is if people can just report him first of all for being envy because there's a <laughs> kind of a character assassination against the guy right now, right? Like if you get envy in your game and you realize <laughs> there will be some people that don't give a fuck. Like he could yeah. pick a perfectly common support, play it support, and people will report him anyway because it's envy, right? And that's fucking stupid. Um, <clears throat> well, here's the thing: but, we talked about the Overwatch, not the game, the Counter Strike mm-hmm. uh, system where people go through replays to see if you know things have been legitimately reported and whatnot. I yep. feel like not only can that be implemented, but you can punish people for making false reports if they had get enough of them, right? That's yep. something you can easily put in in addition to Absolutely, all the yes. stuff we've talked about, which would yep. you know, decentivize people from reporting envy just for existing, essentially. But in this case, I think it the sounds perfect like solution right. is repeat offenders of incorrectly reporting people just lose the ability to report people. You just take it away. Like, why would they be a part of the system if they're not using it correctly? Right. 
There you go. I, I think that's super simple and very, very logical solution. Um, but yeah, the, the thing here is Envy has clearly, and he has not been ashamed of this and talking about it himself. He knows he's gaming the system and he knows he's doing stuff he wasn't supposed to with picking all five roles, getting assigned support, and then being like, I'm going mid, by the way. I'm 1k MMR higher than everybody else in this game. People fucking hate that because they queue to play their role. So fair yeah. enough. I think all of those reports completely justify it. The ones that are not justified is where he queues, he gets support. He's like, hey, guys, I'm going to support. He picks a support hero. He supports. He plays well and wins the game, but then gets reported because he picked Huskar as a support. Well, who fucking cares? If he played support and won and did his job, why would you report him for it? Mm. Like... That's why the reports need to be after the game. We don't know how big a part this played in the six-month ban, but at least the saving grace for him was it was on a Smurf and not on his main. And I know, I think you want, you said you wanted to talk about this. Yes. Some accounts, at least supposedly, some accounts have been given ban immunity by Valve. Uh, at least that's the word. Hmm. And the reason is, I think it might have started all the way back with Sing Sing when he was streaming. At some point, there was just a report brigade. Like people just like, haha, it's funny. Let's report the streamer lol. And yeah. then Sing Sing actually just got reported like crazy for doing literally nothing wrong. He was just playing his hero. He was just playing his role. But he also happened to be a really big streamer. I think Bulldog had similar problems at a time. It's just people being fucking dumbasses, you know? Like, yep. so if you can't. If you can't find a way of completely negating those reports, you, you make the targets immune. That's the other solution, right? Now the problem is if people start abusing that immunity. So let's say Envy's like, oh, I'm immune on my main. I can do whatever the fuck I want. That's where the problem is. But yeah. uh, it, it's a tricky situation. You have to, you kind of have to give them some sort of immunity. That's just what comes with the territory, right? No, I, I then, understand that to a degree. Yeah. yeah. And then if, you're, I, if they are abusing the system... Valve needs to step in and give them a warning, right? That's a sure. different story. Yeah, then they that tell, can be on a case-by-case We're giving case you this basis. to protect you. We're literally protecting you. If you're going to start abusing it, we're not going to keep protecting you. Yeah, but I don't... Like, in these ban immunities, do, do they even know that they're immune? Or is it just assumed? I, I've, I've not heard it confirmed. Uh, I think part of the reason that people are assuming it is the case is that some people that got massively report dumped did not get banned, such as Envy's main or... Sing Sing right. back in the day uh, when it was I mean, insane. I but the only so if they had ban immunity and whatnot, I I genuinely and this is a whole topic entirely, a whole different topic. But I hate the idea of Smurfs. Like back in the Counter Strike days, Smurfs weren't really a thing, but when they were, because of MMR and stuff like that, like especially in the ESEA, like trying to boost people and different accounts, mm -hmm. you're still paying extra money for it, but. It was very much frowned upon. So I've just come from an old school mentality where Smurfs are horrible in every single way. Like if you want to play with your friends and you can't, play unranked. That's why it fucking exists. Like the whole idea right. of Smurfs just, I've never understood why that's, like people are very open. Like I'm sure you have a Smurf. No, like, I'm, I everybody don't. Has, but, that's, really? but that's an exception. Well, yeah, it's an wow. exception. Okay. Um, but I personally just the, hate it. Here's the thing. In Dota, it's a bit trickier than that because ideally I'm with you. Like ideologically, I think everybody should have one account and they should just play on their main account. But there are a couple of reasons that having a Smurf is beneficial competitively in Dota. The first one is if people don't know it's your Smurf, they can't track your match history or like get information from playing against you and knowing it is you. They won't right. see what heroes you play leading into a tournament, for example. The other mm -hmm. one is people are really fucking good at this game. So when they're playing on their main and the main is super high MMR, if the queuing system is, in, for example, the way it works right now, if the system with MMR is struggling to match games, people don't want to queue for an hour every game. 
they want to queue for 15 minutes or 10 minutes. And if the algorithm is in a state where it's struggling to generate games, Arteezy, for example, had times in the past. He's a very he's a perfect example because not only is he high MMR, but he plays in the region that I think has the lowest amount of really high MMR players outside of maybe South America. Like uh, the SEA servers, the China servers, and the Europe servers have a way stronger MMR pool than NA does. So if you're 9K player queuing in NA, it's hard to find games. So what do you do? You know, especially when he was streaming, right? He needed to make content for his stream. Mm. Nobody wants to fucking watch a queue for 45 minutes every game. They want to see gameplay. So what's he do? He makes a smartphone play 6K. And then he stomps those games, but yes, <laughs> at he least does. he has content, right? So it's mm. like one of those... It's just tricky because... What about all it's the people who literally ruin a game for an entire other team? Because I know. So much I mean, it, it, it is you know? it is selfish to a degree, but it's in a way, I feel like the onus is on improving the system so it's not attractive. Like that has to be the end goal, right? Is to remove as much incentive as possible from doing it. And yeah, the biggest no, thing for pro players about smurfing, I almost guarantee the number one thing is queue time. The second thing is MMR pride or whatever you want to call it, where you're like, okay, I don't feel like trying my absolute hardest and I don't want to take the hit on my MMR. I'll play on my other account. And if I lose, it's not a bad. That doesn't mean they fuck around and try to lose, mm. but maybe they're not like 100% in it in that game. Uh, and then there is finally the thing about, you know, maybe potentially concealing strategies or not showing what you're practicing. Like, let's say a player like mid one goes into TI and on his main account, he's played 20 games of Meepo in the last month. People are going to find that. But you play it on a Smurf and nobody knows. All of a sudden, wait, what the fuck? Secret play Meepo? You know, there's a game yeah, win for you in, that's, a, in a winner bracket final or whatever. You know, it's huge. It's so. it's less... Okay, so I understand why a player would want to do it. I'm not saying I don't understand why a player would want to do it because it's inherent benefit not only for, you know, getting into your queues faster, getting easier games if you just want to fuck around or whatever, or to hide strategies. But yeah. I don't think it should be allowed. Still, <laughs> you know. I mean, ide- ideally, there is a workaround for it where there's got to be something. Yeah, you shut it out, or you, you know, you find a way to. You hear the pros out and find a way to, you know, help them. Perhaps they've already tried to take steps with like concealing match info or whatever. But I think it's hard to train something on your main account and not have it be available anywhere. Right? People mm-hmm. will find it uh, somehow. Um, even like if you imagine all master histories got deleted, people would start taking screenshots. You know, they would watch the game in the game, and then they would be like, they would just take a screenshot every time player X plays a game, and then they would make a file on it, right? So they would still find it. You needed to basically remove observing of pub games. You needed mm. to, and even if you did that, the people that are in the game with them could still take screenshots of what they're yeah. playing. So, and yeah, it, it might sound ridiculous, but in terms of tournament preparation for something like TI, it could come down to that. Like people would do it because anything that will give you an edge that is within the rules, right? Is mm-hmm. no, you want to get those I, advantages? That no, extra two percent, it. it's yeah, I get it. Yeah, so <clears throat> yeah, it's a tricky situation. Um, again, my stance is I don't have a Smurf. I don't put myself above people that have a Smurf. I don't feel superior in any way. And I think if you want to combat it, you need to disincentivize it. You need to make it I, less attractive. To I have, have a Smurf, smurf. That's it. Cinderin. That's the goal. I have a Smurf. Yeah. You have a I, statue, a little blue one? I played, no, an actual Smurf account. I played oh. one game on it because I was trying oh. to do a new series. This was years ago. A new series on me grinding up, but being a positive and happy person. I played and one game and changed <laughs> my mind and never went, never logged on again. 
Because you felt bad or because you couldn't be happy? Because I could not be happy. <laughs> I had a feeling. Uh, had a feeling it was like, really hard to be positive. We're doing great as our throne dies. It just doesn't work. Anyway, moving on. Uh, Blitz is now going to be coaching Team Liquid, the old Alliance roster, that is. Uh, of so course, he, yes. he coached uh, Liquid back in the day uh, with Miracle and Kuroki and then came to D.C. while I was still part owner and is now going back to Liquid. And I, I have to say, so here's the thing. I don't know what kind of coaches they have uh, in addition to him, but his role, at least on DC, that's all I can really speak for, and Liquid, because I know about his past there. Uh, it was more like a life coach role, which I have to say right. is like mega important. Like it is, oh, this is actually tough to, it depends on the team. I think in some teams, it is actually more important than an analytical coach by far. Mm -hmm. Like, Right. But it, it just depends on your personalities. What do you what do you think about this uh, change uh, to be a coach? I I agree that in some teams the life coach is more important, but I don't know if that's the case for Alliance because I think well X Alliance now Liquid because mm -hmm. they seem to have this like very good personal bond. They've gone through a lot of hardship. They've played together for a very long time without having that much success. They still stuck it through and got there. Uh, and after TI, where they had a crucial mistake with the gyrocopter pick, they still. Uh, they still stuck together through that. They knew it sucked, and they took it with super strong mentality. You know, they just dealt with it and moved on. So I don't know how much life coaching is very much needed for that exact team. I guess we'll see. Maybe it makes a huge difference. Maybe I'm wrong here. Uh, but I definitely agree. In some teams, there's a lot more tension. There's a lot more people that, you know, need that outlet, not necessarily to talk shit about their teammates to somebody. Like, that's not what I mean. Just, you know, <clears throat> that like whole social aspect of somebody who brings the team together, encourages them to do stuff. It's just fun to be around and lightens the mood. Like these kind of things matter a lot. It's a mental game to a large extent. So, yeah. Uh, so yeah. As far as uh, his choice to do it, I think it makes sense. I think he probably just misses it. Honestly, I think he had a blast doing it. Um, he probably enjoys casting too. But similar to the Samel thing that I talked about with wanting to do something different and you know make a change. Perhaps he has stagnated a bit in casting. Maybe he lost some motivation. Maybe he was like you know it got a bit too. Uh, maybe he lost a little bit of the spark with that and he feels like he had that with coaching and he's one of the lucky people that has the opportunity to do both so why not yeah um that's probably what it is honestly i don't think he hates casting i just think he likes this more and feels like a bigger drive and he you know it's like a personal gratification thing you know you want to you want to feel like you're doing something that you enjoy and power to him right yeah I, I he's think worked I'm... with liquid before as an org so he knows the you know, the yes. higher-ups, which makes a big difference, right? They That is a good org. Yeah. Yep. But I think, I, I mean, I can relate. I don't know about you, Sindarin. Like, you, it feels like you can just go into Dota, play all day, and just repeat over and over. I feel like I can't do one thing. I have to do a bunch of shit. Like, this is why I never really tried to be, like, just a caster. Like, it was always just one of the things I did, because I just love doing mm -hmm. all this other stuff, and it kind of spreads you thin a bit, but... It's just for me, it's personality type. It's just more enjoyable for some reason. And I, mean, I think I, I have. I can it see to people getting like a little tired of it, of whatever the I profession have it is. To an extent, yeah, I I get it. Um, I I would say I, I see it a little bit in myself too, and I think it's something that most people have. Even the top pros in Dota do other stuff. They play other games. They take do breaks they? away from Dota. Yes, they do. Contrary <laughs> to popular belief, uh, 
And then even within Dota, I can say there's different personality types. There are the flat out fucking grinders. The number one example of all time is Admiral Bulldog. Before he got noticed, he played literally over a hundred Lone Droid games in a row. Mm-hmm. And that's something I can't do. I, I can't Same. see myself doing that. I'm not a hero grinder. I if I have fun with a hero, I'll maybe play it like up to ten games in a row, but then I'll feel like playing something else. You know, I, I play a wide variety of heroes. I try different stuff out. Um so I'm not like a spammer or whatever you want to call it. Uh, that doesn't mean it's not better or worse. It's just a different approach to the game. You become an absolute specialist by playing the same hero a million times mm-hmm. in a row. But for me, if I keep doing that, it, it the whole spark thing, right? You lose a little. I lose a little bit of enjoyment in the game with with playing my games and the mentality of it. It becomes more of a chore, and you want it to be fresh and exciting, right? Um, as far as outside of Dota. Um, I think a lot of the pros, like I said, they play other games, they take breaks, they have a social life to an extent. Again, varies very much based on people, what they prefer to do and how they do it. Uh, But something that I think has definitely proven itself over time is burnout is real. And people that nonstop play do not keep winning tournaments. Mm -hmm. All of the top teams take breaks. Uh, Sometimes they even take breaks for a month or two months and just do something else. And in those two months, they're not like, Finally, I'm on break. Now I can just sit at home and play Dota all day, but it's not tournaments. Like They will do something else. Right. So it's all about I think balance. that trait is there. That trait is there for everybody, I think, to an extent. But definitely some people have a harder time focusing even on Dota for a month, right? If you told somebody, uh, quit your job, you're going to play Dota just for one month. It's the only thing you do. A lot of people will be like, wow, this sounds great. It sounds like so much fun. Um, even just doing that, if it's your hobby right now, sitting down 10 hours a day playing Dota is not for everybody. So, I mean, I can sit you know. for 16 hours a day in front of the computer because I already do that. Yeah. But I have to do other stuff. I have to switch yep. it up for whatever reason. So. Yep. But yeah, congrats that. to Blitz for that. That's really cool. Uh, and as a result of him stepping out of the casting role, obviously, Cap uh, is now going to be casting officially with Trent. So that's a cool little combo. You have a couple guys i mean both of them are very analytical and obviously cap can do the play-by-play very well mm-hmm. that should be uh that should be a very fun combination to, to listen to uh throughout yep. this dpc season and i think out of all of the newer talent i don't know if it's fair to say that anymore i, I love trent i think he's really really good um there are many there are many things that are nice about this guy so first of all he's a good caster <laughs> right that's one thing um yeah. He's very easy to work with. He's very friendly. He's good He's good socially for the casting team to have around. He's just a you know jolly, happy guy that's just bringing a good mood. Um, and then as far as the... As far as flat-out profession goes in casting, I think he has a good balance between... He can be analytical, but he's not very dry, right? And it really depends what you're going for. Uh, some people are a lot more like dry and to the point, such as Purge. Whereas Trent is more light, uh, so to speak. And it really depends what you prefer. I don't think any of them will take offense to that categorization. I think that's completely fair. Um, and Trent is more, you know, of a, a light. He's, in a way, um, you probably you know this casting door, right? Of Tasteless and Artosis, right? In, uh, oh, yeah. In StarCraft. That's the, what people they don't compared us this, to, Cinderin, back in the day. They don't, yeah, because I think that's something we did as well, right? Is, is that we didn't... Uh, even if we were being analytical or whatever, we were still lively and having fun, right? We it, were it being analytical? Even in segments where you were trying to be analytical, we were still... 
you know, we were having fun <laughs> and we were enjoying it. And we remember yeah. that it's a game, right? And and it's about the entertainment. And I think that's something, for example, with Cap and Trent that could be really interesting because I think they're both uh, they're both good at being professional when that's what it takes, but they're also good at having fun when that's what it takes. Um, so I can see that dynamic being really good. Uh, yeah, it's it's something that when people talk about casting, they always talk about, oh, we want to have the best analyst or we want to have the best play-by-play that just calls the place the sharpest way and makes them the most exciting. Honestly, all of the small things that happen in between matter just as most, just as much, in my opinion. Like, is the flow good? Are people having a good time? Because it rubs off on the audience, right? If the well, cast is having fun, it's fun. Like, so. when, And we saw this earlier in esports as well. This is why Tasteless and Artosis were so good because everyone is just trying, especially back then, and it's gotten a little bit better since... Everyone's just trying to be super professional. They think the only way that you can be a commentator is to essentially copy traditional sports because they're so much bigger, at least back yeah. then. But it's just not the case. Like, the, no. that's the beauty of esports. You can do whatever the fuck you want. We can say fuck, and no one's gonna, yeah. you know, slap right. slap our wrists or whatever. So, yeah, Trent and Cap are gonna be a great combo. I mean, Trent as an analyst, I don't know if people know this, but this guy. Every single time I open Dota, it feels like at least he's watching a replay. I've never seen anybody watch as many replays as Trent. It's kind of absurd. He has a problem. He's literally addicted to watching replays. But luckily for him, it helps him in his his day to day work. So, uh, oh, maybe yeah. he's just doing a good job. That is a possibility. Yeah, he is doing a good job. That he works very hard on, you know, doing analysis. I would I have know. no idea how how that's possible. How to actually. do that? <laughs> I don't know how to do that. Um, now, the thing about this that we didn't talk about that is, I feel like, a little bit left behind in the whole talk. Like, people are like, oh, this is exciting. Blitz, get this. I think Trend is great. He's going to be good with Cap. What's happening with Lyrical? Right? That's the. I feel like that's the side of this that hasn't really been talked about at all. I was a bit surprised. Like, the narrative that I saw about it was just that this is going to be exciting. But, you know, what's he going to do? That was his casting partner. Is Lyrical going to look for somebody else? Is he just going to mix and match with whatever he can find? Uh, I feel like oh, I don't you, know. you were talking about for TI that was because I know that they I mean Trent has cast with literally everybody right. Uh, He's been he casting a cast, lot with lyrical lately. He's been lyrical's go because he cast with Zayori sure. most of the year, uh, and then lyrical as well. I mean yeah, lyrical casts a lot as well. But, I mean I feel like lyrical yeah. is somebody that can. I mean, yeah, analysts are not easy to find, I suppose. But he's it's one of those play by plays that is, if he finds a decent analyst. They're going to work well right. together because Lyrical's... I mean, that's one of those guys that talk about being happy. Holy shit. If, maybe I should have him do that series on my Smurf account. Mr. <laughs> happy Face or whatever he's the fuck He's just going to play Darkseer every game. <laughs> he's actually good at the game too. And he's happy. I don't know what, what's wrong with him. He's too happy. Um, good guy. But he'll well, be fine. There's got to be somebody like mention. Tsunami yeah. or something. Yeah, there's Tsunami. There is Kyle, unless he is going to stable, uh, be casting with Toby this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, there is Grant Grant, which is a possibility as well. If you want to stay NA, there's both Grant and Kyle, right? So um, he maybe yep. he will cast more with Lacoste again. They used to cast some together, I think. Lyrical mm-hmm. and Lacoste, right? It was also Coddle Guy and Lacoste in the start, I think. But Lyrical is also... I don't know. He's good, and he works with a lot of different people. But at least I feel like it should be mentioned. Like, you know, whenever... Whenever you, sp- I don't want to call it a split because I feel like it sounds way too dramatic and not really what's happening. But you know, one of the guys you've been casting with a lot is now stably casting with somebody else. You know, mm-hmm. there's there's always a little bit of a void there to be to be filled. And speaking of void, I have a sick transition here. Oh boy, because we've got one what more bullet point here we want to talk about: the Fortnite black hole. <laughs> talk yes. about a fucking void, okay? Oh my god. So what god. happened? 
what basically happened, I think it was the day before yesterday, right? Or was it yesterday? I think it was the day before yesterday. I think so. Fortnite had an in-game event, and they've had this multiple times throughout the game's history where they have a live event happening during the game that launches something. If the map is changing, if they're introducing new weapons or whatever, there's like this dramatic thing where people that are logged into the game at the time get thrown into the scenario and it just plays out in front of them. And this time they were really excited to see what was going to happen. And what literally <laughs> fucking happened was that a black hole consumed their whole game. And all <laughs> they can do when they log in is exit. The game has not been playable for more than 24 hours. I think 36 by now, maybe. Yeah. Um, and people don't fucking know what's going on. As far as I'm aware, they have not. They did not announce ahead of time that the game would be going down. They did right. not announce exactly what's coming or exactly when it's coming. Unless I'm wrong here. But from what I could see, it's not confirmed. So there's a lot of theories going on around. Is the game ending? Is Are they launching <laughs> Fortnite 2? What about my battle pass? I just bought these cool new items for $100. <laughs> they literally just left their community flat out in the dark on this. And in a way, I find this... I want to talk about the strategy because I wonder what you think. I think this kind of stuff, it's super good for building hype. Everybody's yes. fucking talking about it because it's yes. so unique and people are there's so much speculation they're literally fucking fortnite streamers right now streaming with 100k viewers watching nothing you know it's <laughs> it's kind of funny you know that this kind of thing is real so i think the hype around it is really good but i feel like it's a delicate balance like you've got to be very precise with this i think if you draw it out even a little bit too long people get annoyed they can't play the game that they want they're frustrated they spent money on this they start questioning do you even know what the fuck you're doing so mm-hmm. in your opinion do you think this is a good move and if you think it's a good move, how long do you think you can do something like this for? Well, because I'm really I think, curious. Like, I, don't I know. think they're absolute fucking genius. Here's the thing: I'm not a Fortnite mm-hmm. fan. I don't play the game. I played it one time. It's just not for me. It doesn't mean it's a shit game. Whatever. Like, I'm not trying to create a divide mm-hmm. or anything like that. This is fucking genius. Good God! Everything they've done with that game. I know that people have been kind of like tapering off with you know the balance or whatever. But in terms yeah. of like their their events or whatever, like they've had live concerts. They've done so many things, like affecting the actual map in a dramatic way. It's so, it's amazing just to think about the possibilities of other games you could maybe do that for. But this one in particular is, it's unprecedented, like you said, and that's the reason it's so hype. And people have been, like I said, tapering off on the idea of Fortnite anyway. So why not just kill it for a day? Because apparently, according to the chat, it's back up right now, by the way. Because right when we went live with the podcast, they came out with, uh, or they a leaked video came out with what the new season is going to be. It's called Chapter Two, Season One, whatever the hell that means. We don't know any details, but right. I think it's unbelievable marketing. Actually, every single news site is talking about it. how is this not good for the game? Yeah, you can't play for a day, but do you think those people will not play when it comes out with all this new shit? Of course they are. More people are going to play. It's genius. It's one of the best marketing jobs I've ever seen in any game ever. It's pretty incredible. What I'm interested to hear what you think, though. Do you disagree okay. at all? Um, I want to talk about the potential downsides of this, I think. Because sure. when you do something this dramatic, there's the one thing is people's patience, right? Like, how long do they want to wait before they get pissed off and feel like you're, you know, they paid money for this game. It's not there. The other thing is when you do something this big, it's kind of like Half-Life 3, you know, where the expectation now is so high that you need to be really confident in the product you're delivering in the end because you built this huge fucking hype right now. And if people are literally expecting Fortnite 2, you better have a good game ready that's not full of bugs or is not flat out bad or a worse version of the other game because now people are hype for this shit. Mm-hmm. 
True. Um, every, I think that's one of the... In, I also think uh, partially that's one of the reasons Valve have been communicating as little as they have in the past about stuff is that they, they've had this mentality that if you communicate and build yourselves up to something really big, it's easier to disappoint because people's expectations are going to be really high. Especially with release dates, um, right? Yeah, release dates, for example, or yeah, just even if you release a game in beta, like when is it beta? Like what is good enough to be a beta and stuff mm-hmm. like this? Yeah. Uh, so being really careful about this to not disappoint customers can be really valuable too. And th- that's my biggest concern for Fortnite over all of this is that they build up this fucking huge thing and then it's just the next season and there's nothing like really, really big happening. Then people are going to be disappointed and they're going to be like, why the fuck did you shut down our game for two well, days? Well, you're, this, you're saying right? two different things then. I'm saying mm-hmm. in terms of building hype, this is the best possible. This is the best I've ever seen. Exceptionally ever. good. Hundred percent agree. Like I have no idea if they're going to actually live up to it. Like I have no fucking clue what right. they're coming out with. Right? I mean, fair but, enough. Yeah, yeah. I think I, I, guess. I think the strategy the strategy itself is super cool. It's really unique, and I think it's a really clever idea. Uh, and then I mean, it's they, just about think about the again. center. They could do this for Dota if they really wanted to. Like, how cool would that be? It wouldn't be we the have same. That, we have it, we have it once a month with a coordinator. It's nothing new anymore. <laughs> it's, you know, it's just, <laughs> whatever man that's a really boring ass mini game holy shit yeah. what do you get yeah. you just get to play the same game again there's nothing's yeah. changed um <laughs> nah. uh i don't I, I like i said i think i think it's a really fucking cool idea um i what i was mainly fishing for with you and you didn't really answer it because i don't know either is how long do you think you can leave a void like this before you need to make content like how patient is your community Right. And what's your benefit to drawing out the hype? Is it better to do it two days than one day? Because you really made your point with one day, right? True. Like, it can be dangerous to you know build the hype for too long and not let people access. So what do you think? Like, I think maybe Ooh. two days is okay, but these players, the, the player base is young. They're really young. They want mm. to go home and play their game with their friends. They're not the most patient people probably in terms of attention span. And the first uh, day was a, week, was a Sunday, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. At least in the U.S. Uh, yes, I think that's correct. It was actually a Sunday. Yeah. So, so what do you yeah. think? Like, is this a two-day thing, one-day thing, or could they have stretched this out for a week? Like, when do you? Ooh, I think that's, that's a way good too question. long. Right. I. I mean, here's the thing, though. People would get annoyed. Let's say it's a week. People would get annoyed and angry, but once that week is up, I think everyone forgets about it. Meaning, they're not a- angry anymore. Right, but did you gain anything with the week compared no, to two days? No, I don't days? think so. I think, I mean, I, I agree with you. I think one day is plenty. I think six hours is, no, it's not the same because you want to hit all the time zones. So 24 hours makes sense. Right. They okay. they went to the 36-hour mark and I believe they came out with everything. So, uh, yeah, I have no idea why, but it's very, it's fascinating. You know, this is stuff that mm-hmm. if you were going to school for marketing or something, this is like a great subject to just decipher. It's like, just really to look good. In detail. It's yeah. so interesting. And I'd love to see the numbers. Of course, we're never going to see it, but we can see the Twitch numbers. Like you said, they have after 24 hours, huge. the official Fortnite thing had 50K viewers on literally nothing. It's just a little black hole. Like it's nothing to watch. 50K viewers. That's absurd. Yep. So yeah, this, is, this was really well done. I was very impressed. And I, I still think they... I know it's not going to be the same thing, but they could do something similar in Dota, like to a smaller degree that would spice things up. But... Like the Roshan hats that come out every year, you can make a storyline behind it, right? You don't, mm-hmm. it doesn't need to be so vanilla. Like, oh, the patch notes. Roshan has a Santa hat. Why not make it more interesting? Make some lore around it. I don't know. I think that kind of stuff is cool. Anywho, 
Moving right. on. Make Dota 2 is down until we have paid for Roshan's Santa hat. Well, see, and what Roshan if the coordinator... is holding the community hostage. <laughs> what if the Dota 2 coordinator going down enables a mini game that you can play? Just on the ah, screen. That's fucking kind cool. of like kind of like Google when you have no internet. It's exactly the same, actually, yes. Except it would be more interesting than actually I, I shouldn't say the T Rex is pretty fucking cool. How Played about Roshan jumping over stuff? Sure, I, it's probably not copyrighted. That's probably fine. <laughs> anyway, finishing up the episode, Cinderwin, onto uh, lighter subjects. I was Great. thinking we did a movie review type thing, our favorite movies of all time. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you have enough time to think about this because it's a last minute edition, but I wanted to talk about favorite TV shows of all time. I was actually having, I was struggling trying to think of stuff, and I think I'm probably missing a bunch that I don't remember because I watch a lot. Uh, all right. But I do have my list. Okay. Do you want to go first? Um, I don't know which, what do you want to do here? I'm going to, okay, so you've had a lot of time to think about this and write it down. I'm kind of going to just shotgun what comes to mind because I think that's kind of fun. Like sure. if, if something comes to mind for you, it's it's probably because it left a mark on you, right? So you wrote mm-hmm. TV shows, which means it doesn't all have to be fiction, right? It can also be other stuff that you see on TV that is in a, a show system, right? Like weekly sure. episodes, right? Yes, fine. Okay. That's so, less, That's a little bit more boring, but go ahead. Okay, yeah. So the reason I'm saying this is the, the first ones that come to mind were fiction. Uh, I loved Community, especially. I haven't, honestly, I haven't watched all of the seasons, but especially the first two seasons were fucking amazing. I loved that show. Wait, which show? Community was outstanding. Community. Oh. It was really, really huh. good. Uh, the Dan Harmon huh. show. Yeah, I loved that show. Huh. Um, huh. Interesting. Game of Thrones, for the most part, was really, really good. Um, I know people love to hate on that shit because of the bad ending, and I'm with them. The ending was not good, uh, but the the way to the end was very good. I think multiple seasons were arguably some of the best seasons ever written for TV uh, in mm-hmm. any show. And now this is the the curveball I'm going to give you right now that just came to mind. It's really random how sometimes you okay. think about things like Please this. Please do. When I was a kid, I loved watching, I think it was called Robot Wars on Discovery Channel. Oh, yeah. yeah. The one where the cars drive around and have to flip each other, and they're on this like... They're on this basically little football field, and then it has traps and spikes coming out, and it's about building the robot that beats the others. Yeah. This one stood out to me because I remember that being so fucking cool when I used to watch TV. So I def I loved that back then. So I guess I kind of have to mention it as one of my favorites. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Okay. That's just three off the top of my mind. You can go. This is Monkey, by the way. If, you, if you're listening oh, on wow. audio, I don't know if you can tell she's purring. She's very happy to be held. Um, or so I laughed at Community sh- because I, I did like Community a lot, mm-hmm. but I thought I got really bad over the, the When did series. it get bad? Because I might not have watched the stuff that you thought got bad. I, I mainly watched the first three seasons, I think. Okay. I think it was during the third season. It started. I don't remember how many seasons there were, but first two seasons I definitely liked. Um, mm-hmm. Anyway, so I... Okay, this is my list, and I couldn't think of everything. I, I'm pretty sure I'm missing stuff, but I have to go with Nostalgia, Seinfeld, Amazing show. One of the best of all time. And I do believe that many of our listeners maybe have never even seen an episode, which makes me very sad. Uh, And in terms of the other comedy that I have on this list, which is kind of based off of Seinfeld in a lot of ways, is Curb Your Enthusiasm. I think it's the best comedy series I have ever watched. It is God Tier. If you've seen Seinfeld, then you'll know there's a character named Costanza, George Costanza, it was actually based off of the real life person, which is Larry David. And that's what Curb Your Enthusiasm is based off of is Larry David. 
And George Costanza is probably my favorite character of any show ever. I think he's fucking hilarious. Uh, so that's easily my number one comedy. Um, in terms of like actual dramas, which I tend to gravitate towards, uh, I like Black Mirror a lot. It's kind of a hit or a miss, but I do like the idea of shows not ending with a happy ending every single time. Mm-hmm. I like that idea. And of course, the technology aspect to that's very interesting and fascinating. Do you uh, like Sherlock. the idea of shows that are not ending when they end? Because that's what I feel like Black Mirror a lot of the time, at well, least Black in Mirror some episodes. Is... I've watched a, a good amount of episodes and I really like them, but I feel like a lot of the endings are actually not conclusive. And I, I'm not saying that's a bad thing. I just wonder yeah, what Yeah, some think. of them are a little open-ended. They make you think, sure. I mean, some of the episodes are just shit. Let's be real. I mean, it just depends on what you're looking for. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it, it doesn't necessarily have to answer all the questions if that's what you're saying. Like, for example, Lost. Yeah. I thought that show was garbage. I watched every single season, though, because I just wanted to see what happens. And then in the end, I was still disappointed. So it was just a waste of time entirely. <laughs> uh, but well, I also really it. like Sherlock. I think that's one of the best. It's like some of the best I dialogue. Still need to, of I any still show. need to see those. You've actually. never seen, seen Sherlock? Those. Yeah. <sighs> I forgot that I want to see them. They're like one hour and a half each, right? The episodes. They're really long. Or something. Yeah. I mean, the so seasons are only like three episodes, though. They're so. basically movies in their own right, right? Every episode yeah. is basically a movie. Yeah. And I, I think they did make a movie as well, kind of. Anyway. There's uh, a couple of Sherlock movies now. There's like, is there two or three by now? I don't remember. No, those, I think I've watched two Sherlock shitty movies. Ones? No, there's a couple of shitty ones that are not the same Sherlock. Oh, maybe. Oh, like the one with Robert Downey Sherlock. Jr.? Okay, it's, yeah, I've Robert, two of those, I think. Oh, those are fucking garbage. Come on. That's not the same. Okay. Oh, the, I, I mean, I, I don't know if Benedict Cumberbatch as Sherlock. That's what I'm saying. He's amazing. Uh, And then the last show, which I'm trying to actually think, if this is my favorite show of all time, it might be, and most people have not heard of it, they canceled it after three seasons, and it's called Leftovers. I think it's such a good fucking show. Slacks hates it, but he only watched one season. So here's the thing, Cinderin. I know you're not going to watch this show, even though I know for a fact that you would really like it. The first season is like, it feels entirely different than the other two seasons. I wouldn't say it's bad. It's interesting, but it's not like, oh my God, I have to watch it. Season two and three, though, some of the best TV. It is the best TV I've ever seen. And I'm very sad that they canceled it. It's essentially about uh, a certain segment of the population just disappearing, very small percentage, Mm -hmm. just disappear one day. And the entire series is essentially about how people are reacting to that. And I find it just so fascinating. It's so interesting to watch. And the acting is God tier. You just reminded me of a show uh, that kind of just came out on Netflix that you might enjoy. Uh, Susie and I have watched the first season. That's all there is. Uh, mm. And it's called, uh, what is it it's called exactly? Um, Beforeiners, it's called. I don't know if you've heard of that. May, I've heard you of it. You might like I that show. Seen it. Uh, we okay. watched it. It was good. I, I, I don't know if it, it doesn't deserve to be in best shows of all time or favorite of all time, but I enjoyed it. So I just wanted to mention that might be something you would want to watch. Oh, that reminds actually, me of a show. I, I'm not going to put it show. as on my list because it's like my top five, but... I would highly recommend anyone watch American Vandal on Netflix. I'll tell you what the premise is, Cinderin. It's a fake documentary, mm-hmm. a, a mockumentary, as they call it. Extremely mm-hmm. well done. And it feels like the entire subject matter is based on my life. So the first season, maybe not so much. The first season is about some kid in school is, uh, is uh, what is it? There, he's accused of spray painting a bunch of penises on cars. Okay, 
So it takes like a hilariously okay. stupid subject that makes it very serious. Like it's extremely funny. But the second season, and this is not a joke, okay? I'm not going to spoil it, but this is in the previews, so I can at least give this away. The second season, the subject matter is about an event that occurs at school and these same like reporters or whatever you want to call them, these student documentarists, if that's actually a word, trying to investigate what happened, the entire school shit themselves in the cafeteria. It was called, it, the person that left behind their card was called the turd burglar, I believe. Why am I not surprised that you've watched this? Cinderin, this sounds... I, I am telling you, I know it sounds stupid. Here's the thing. No, and it everybody, sounds like your life story in big scale. So here's the thing, though, okay? This is the interesting okay. thing about this season. And I literally had to look up to see if the people that created the show follow me on Twitter. Not only was there shit and all this stuff that I found hilarious, but there was also a lot of different references like to basketball and to this, like, for example, this guy that's in this group called the Horsehead Collectives. They wear fucking horse heads. I'm like, this is literally me. Does Did they get inspiration from my life? I had to go check if they follow me. They don't follow me. But let me tell you, Cinderin, and I know you, you sue think... sue them. <laughs> it, here's the thing, though. I know you think this is stupid, this show. I 100% guarantee you that you would love this show. It is so well done. It's very, very good. I know you're not going to watch it because you don't watch shit. You still don't watch fucking Imbruge, probably, but we'll get to that in a minute. Uh, okay. I, I did I did want to finish it with a couple of shows that I thought were a bit overrated. Um, well, first of all, I should say Game of Thrones, one of my favorite shows of all time, but the last season just sucks so much that I genuinely don't know what to think of it anymore. It just sullied everything. I just I have to give it some time, you know. But shows that I watched in its entirety that I think are kind of overrated, and people are going to get mad at me for this. Number one is Mad Men. I actually don't know if I even finished it. Maybe it was like two episodes short of finishing. It's just mind-numbingly boring. I could not stand Mad Men. Another show that I thought was good, but not great, was Sopranos. It was okay. And another show, basically the same thing. I was like, all right, this is, this is good, but it's not like God tier like everyone's putting it to is Breaking Bad, which I did just see the movie of as well, which was good. Breaking Bad's good, but I thought was it was... the movie or the series bad. better? They're basically the same. Okay. I was like, eh, it's good. But I, I, didn't, I don't understand why people think it's so amazing, is all. But yeah, that's pretty much it, Cinderin. That's okay. all I got. Uh, oh, well, I guess one more thing. I did see The Joker yesterday. Yeah. Have you seen it by any chance? No, I've heard... Everything I heard the first day was that this is fucking incredible, go watch it. And then the criticism has started coming in that it's like a bit here. I mean, no yeah. movie has everybody saying it's amazing, but overwhelmingly positive is what I've heard for the most part. Yes. PPD thought it was bad. I think I, I can, <laughs> I guess I can <laughs> kind of understand why some people think it's bad. I suppose I, I understand why there's like a, I don't know. There's a discrepancy between people's opinions. Like it's either you love it or hate. I absolutely loved it. I thought it was, like if you want to call it a superhero movie, even though he's a villain, it here's the thing. Like superhero movies, I'm not a big fan of Syndrome. I don't know how you feel. Like mm -hmm. Marvel stuff, I genuinely can't okay. stand, honestly. I find them just horrible, actually. Mm -hmm. But movies that are typically the rated R is when they're good. Like I thought Logan right. was unbelievably good. I thought Deadpool, both of them were fucking incredibly good. 
And I think Joker's on that same level. I think it's really, really okay. fucking great. Great movie. I can't find Peter's tweet. Maybe he deleted it. Maybe he was Probably. being too edgy or something. <laughs> I thought he I thought he tweeted something like they they were going to they were going to see it, I think. And they came out and uh, I don't know. It's like it was Ryan Reynolds is a god. It was okay. Definitely. But anyway. All right. So that is the end of the episode. Cinder, and have you watched In Bruges? Uh, no. Thank you so much for joining us, everybody. I also Until... didn't watch Joker. Uh, bye. Yeah, we'll, I'll ask you that <laughs> next week as well. Thank you, Cinder. And more to add to the, your pile of garbage that you call your life. Thanks for watching, everybody. Until next time, Suns yeah. fan and Cinder and signing out. Goodbye. We say things that don't mean anything, but thanks for listening. Yeah.